get into the theater and the usher nods me in. They know me here. I descend down the staircase behind the movie screen that only select people know about. The door at the bottom opens and I walk in. The sound of movie spoilers fill the air. The barkeep has my drink ready and motions me to the back. The rest of the crew are here already. This is my type of place and these are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in the spoiler room. Yes, hello, my listeners. Welcome to the spoiler room. And as now has become a tradition, uh, I'm not usually one to follow suit, and I'm horrible at lists, but every year we seem to come around again, and I end up deciding, yeah, let's do this. So it is the best of worst of episode that everybody does for 2018. And I have <laughs> my two fellow movie ninjas back from last year. It just worked out that way. So once again, we have in the spoiler room to talk about the best and worst of the year is none other than the lovely Andrew Shearer. Hello, Andrew. How are you? Hey, hey, That's three ninja for Happy New Year. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, next to the lovely Andrew Shearer is the bowtie man himself. He is back in the spoiler room. We've missed him. It is Paul Salzer. Hello, Paul. How are you, sir? I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to talking about tonight's movies. Yes, uh, I am too. Uh, should be interesting considering how many movies now come out nowadays. Uh, yeah, this is going to be interesting list. So uh, we're going to uh, go down and I think what we'll do is we'll uh, uh, look at some of our uh, top film of our list. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the good first, I think. Um and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with your number one and then also mention, you know, the other four and say your top five. Let's go that route. I hope that makes sense. I'm Polish. So my apologies. Uh, oh, but... dude. <laughs> I didn't expect you never made a Polish joke before. The whole time I known you. <laughs> you never did. Uh, well, you know. It was a mild one. You're good. It's, it's a mild one. So I, I could get away with it. I, I'm Polish. I can get away. Uh, and, uh, we, yeah. We're the best ones at poking at, at fun at ourselves. So No, you're right. I got <laughs> friends that do it all the time, and you're the only one that doesn't. So this was a – I'm glad I was here for this. <laughs> <laughs> Historic moment for 2019. We're starting it off right. So yeah. uh, we'll start with Paul. So, Paul, what was your number one thing? <laughs> This is going to surprise everybody. Uh, but my favorite film of the year, 2018, was Tomb Raider. Are you hey, sure? Came, now, now, are you sure it came out this year? Uh, yeah, I know. That's what <laughs> IMDb says. So I'm going to go with it. I, I mean, the, the joke probably could be that the, this was the one with, uh, you know, the one that uh, uh, Angelina Jolie was in. But yeah, no, no. It, it, it wasn't that one. No, it was, <laughs> it was, was the one with uh, uh, Kander. Yes. Yep. yep yep and and what was it about it that you uh that struck you more so than the other films you watched uh i was a big fan of the game to start out with uh and this movie actually did entertain me i loved the main character and it really did feel like the character from the new series i've been playing the new game a lot and i really got into that character and i think they did a really good job of portraying that character on the screen so I just, I really enjoyed it. I thought the story was great. I thought that everything, I mean, it was, it was very much, there was no surprises in that film and it all led into what I expected the film to be like, and it delivered on everything that I wanted it to deliver on. So that's why it scored so high. Oh, well that, that falls into what we were kind of talking about before was, uh, you got something familiar. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way, but no, you're you're right. Uh, Tomb Raider is an entertaining film. I think it was better than many people. Uh, I think Tomb Raider was better than what many people expected it to be. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and so I think that that was a good thing because, uh, especially when people heard, "Oh, here we go again," you know, <laughs> we're rebooting another series. Uh, but yeah, I remember watching it and I was really impressed. Andrew, you saw Tomb Raider, didn't you? 
Dude, I, Paul, I was so happy to hear you say Tomb Raider. You know, it was in my top five in the middle of the year. Ooh, ooh. I I cannot tell you what made me go see this movie. <laughs> I, I liked her from uh, Ex Machina. Ex, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but I do. I cannot remember now why I went to see Tomb Raider. I went to see the other two, you know, the Angelina Jolie ones. Um, but man, I loved it. I did like a whole 30 minutes of notes on it. I think I published it. It was to me just from the very start, the way they had her, she was a vulnerable hero. Mm -hmm. She was like the opposite of the way they do these, uh, Marvel comic, uh, guys now where everything's like a joke and they can't get hurt. And when it's dramatic, it's kind of corny, you know? And uh, it, to me, she was so human the whole time. And there was moments in the film where I just like felt truly scared, but um, it was out at the same time around that um, a wrinkle in time was out. Yep. And both of them had a plot about someone searching for their father. And so in Tomb Raider, the movie, which has been out a long time, if you haven't seen it, I'm, I mean, like, I don't know what, what you're waiting for, but there's a part in the film where she finally like catches back up with her dad and man, it was just, I was like, I cannot believe I'm sitting here looking at a movie about based on a video game <laughs> and I'm so into it. I, um, I really, I don't know if they're going to make more. I don't know what kind of success it was, but I'm telling you, I would watch another one of these if the same team was involved and they could manage to keep this realistic hero. Cause there's a part where she, if she doesn't kill somebody, she like maims them, the shit out of somebody in a waterfall. Yep. And she feels horrible about it. I my my feelings about screen violence in fantasy movies and and comedy and all that like you know stuff that's stuff that's not a drama violence in it for the sake of like you know like almost like fun or I don't know we're seeing seeing good guys. Ju- I think there was an article about Marvel movies to where the heroes kill more people than the villains do. Y'all remember that article? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember that. It was great to see. Again, a video game hero, a pop culture item, you know, something that's not even based on a real person, feel bad about committing violence. I thought it was a fantastic movie. Paul, that is such a solid pick, man. Awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it was a solid movie. I remember it. Um, enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I love the portrayal of Laura Croft. She was more human in this. Uh, it had more a, a sense of more grounding, but at the same time, it still had a little bit of that fanciful Indiana Jones type angle, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, which is what you got out of the video game as well. So um, now I didn't play the new one, but at least with the, you know, the original one, it, you still had that feel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's still got a, some of those popcorn elements. I thought the villain in it was great. <laughs> he was, uh, you know. Uh, uh, was it Matthias? I think it was Walt Walter Goggins played. Man, he was freaking scary. Um, in a different way, though. You know, he wasn't like over. He wasn't like manic scary. He was just a scary guy. <laughs> <laughs> and they had puzzles in there. And yeah, I mean that that's a solid pick because, um, it was a film that I think surprised a lot of people. Especially the trailer didn't do it justice. Right the trailer played off of it like this is going to be your standard formulaic basic video game action movie similar to way the angelina jolie ones were. and don't get me wrong the angelina jolie ones for the time they came out with and everything those were fun Mm -hmm. great films but they were fun but this one yeah performances uh yeah it, it had some weight to it and excellent pick yeah tomb raider is uh uh one of my uh uh, more entertaining films of 2018 for sure. Uh, I watched a lot of films, but that's one of the solid picks. So, well, awesome. And Andrew, what was your number one for 2018? And you watch a lot of films. So, <laughs> I mean, you, I don't watch as much as you, but I do. I actually watched less movies this year in terms of the mainstream ones. And there's a reason for that too. But I, could I do like five, four, three, two, one, and just we talk about yeah. number one? Yeah, go for it. Um, all right, my number five is Annihilation. My yes. number four is Roma. My number three is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number two is Black Panther. And number one is 
Sorry to bother you. Nice. Me, you did a whole talk about that one, didn't we? We we did do an episode on that. Okay. She uh, uh, refreshed some of our listeners who may have missed that episode. Shame on you. Uh, to uh, tell folks, what was it the most? What was it that it caught you the most uh, about that film that made it the best of your year? What well, to me, like you know, whenever they announced they're like going to remake something or they're going to do sequel to something, you know, everybody's always like groan, moan, whatever, pissing, always talking about they want to see an original movie. But when somebody makes like a really original ass movie, people do not know what to do. <laughs> people do not know what to do. They lose their white minds, as they say. Uh, sorry to bother you. For me, it was just like, I love to see a filmmaker, writer, director, first time debut feature right out of the gate, just go for broke like this, man. Sorry to bother you was like nothing that I saw this whole year. And that's a big thing to say because this year I saw a lot of firsts and very original thing. My whole list, really, my top 10 for for the most part was stuff that we would never ever seen before on the screen before. So for a movie to stand out among all of that in a year like this, to me was just a big deal i was shocked by it and i'm 41 years old and i seen a lot of shit and i was like i cannot believe i'm seeing this right now um i was also very proud of it i was also very moved by it i was also very inspired by it and all i wanted to do when i finished with it man was just tell everybody go and see it but at the same time i love sitting in there in the theater watching people turn against it because <laughs> you could just feel the room people were going like the fuck is this you know like nothing in the advertising it seemed quirky and it seemed edgy but you know you had no idea what was about to happen with them and it just snowballs right it's wild artistic audacious creative great music great acting to me i just like yeah it's out there and yeah, some people say maybe it goes too far, paints too much with a broad brush. But his whole concept is so wild. Once you're in that territory and you're, this is what you want an independent movie to do. You don't want it to be like, hey, guys, look what I can, look at what I can maybe do if you give me Disney Hollywood money. No. <laughs> no, this is going to, this is the kind of movie that's like, hey, look what I can do that you can't. That's what Sorry to Bother You is to me. Yeah, that's, that's really well put it was one of the uh most original films i will say i've seen uh this year and actually in the last few years which another it's that a uh, little bit of a growing trend of wide release films that are kind of batshit crazy edgy and different that you couldn't believe you're actually watching this in a theater today uh, paul have you seen sorry to bother you i didn't but I, when i saw the trailer I was very interested in this film because it did look, it looked interesting. And it, it was one of the, like, there were a lot of trailers that I was watching that year. And this was the one that I think, uh, one of the films that I was really interested in based on the trailer, because it was like, I'm, I don't know what this movie is really about. And that was, that's kind of, I, and you know, nowadays it's really, they, they like give away a lot of the movies in the trailers. So, but I just, I didn't have time to watch it. And eventually when it comes to a, a streaming service, I will catch it though. Yeah, I, I would recommend it. Cause especially if you're looking for something different, it, it was in my top five. Oh, good. <laughs> it, it's it was, like, um, it's like being John Valkovich or repo man. Like that's the class of oh, movie I would put. Wow. In. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I might, I might just have to rent it from the streaming <laughs> right away or even, um, something I think hulu has it now right uh hulu might have it now yeah i think yeah i'll have to check it it's it also similar have you seen john dies at the end yes yes so it's like that too kind of that as far feel? as some of the surrealism going on awesome. uh, nothing not, nothing quite as wild you know uh, but still it also that same vein that more than just quirky this is a different world <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've got you you hooked me on this film so i'm i'm yeah. thank you thank you Ed, uh, andrew do paul i would be surprised you don't like it I okay would be very surprised. just knowing your sense of humor too <laughs> perfect yeah it, it, you know it's it's a film and i'm sure people oh how whatever you want to say cliche or whatever but it is a film that just takes chances and just puts itself out there 
and puts this story out there and these ideas. And it's like, yeah, it's probably not going to agree with everyone in the audience, but you know what? That's okay. It's nice. <laughs> this is the story we want to tell. And there are so there are some nuances in there that just you you'll maybe not catch the first time you watch it, but oh uh, yeah, it's it's wild. Yes, folks, check out the episode. Andrew and I uh go in depth on this film because it is it is what you look for as you know. What you know, as, as people would call you, and I've seen the term thrown around a lot more. And I guess you could say, you know, cinephile. When you watch so many movies in that during the year, it's one of those movies. That's the ones you're looking for. You know, those are the what It's the type of film you're looking to find that you're just like, I have no idea where this film is going, and I'm an hour into it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you're gonna want to talk to somebody about it after. Yeah. To which we're we're here for you, Paul. So all right, cool, cool. <laughs> but it's a comedy, so yeah, it it is a comedy. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I guess everybody knows I have a history. I'm horrible at these because I always feel bad about ranking one above the rest because I do enjoy them in different levels. Um, so I I would say it, it's a toss up. Um. For me, one of the films that did move me, and I know it, it's kind of going with the this flow, is A Star is Born. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed that, but tied with that, because at the top, it, it's there were two films that are both number one, and no, that's not a cop-out. I was trying to really weigh it before the show and figure out, oh, man, what really like just is a solid film? And it was the black Klansman. Oh. And the reason the black Klansman was, you know, at top of number one, right next to a star is born is because it is a film that stuck with me long after I watched it. And sorry to bother you is up in my top five as well. Uh, just to give my uh, other ones, there was sorry to bother you uh, into the spider verse was in here. Um, and, there was an indie film I saw that also stuck with me called the five fingers of Marseille or Marcellus. And if, if you haven't seen it yet, I, I highly recommend you seek it out. It's a new, uh, a Neo Western set in Africa. Um, and it's really good. It is, it is very good. It, it has uh, hints of uh, peck and paw in it as well as some other uh, great Western uh, directors and stories in it but for black Klansmen, you know the fact that one it was based off of true events in that but the way this film played out i just i really got into it number one and it's one of those films that uses a past experience or, or past true events to apply to today's events and it's unfortunate that not much has changed in that amount of time um, but still, you know, it, it's one of those where I love the direction, the performances by everybody involved, uh, just were fantastic. And the one segment where they had Belafonte in there, uh, oh man, that just, that really stuck with me how they put this film together and they brought it out again. It's going to be another film. They know that's not going to. Uh, appeal to it that, that's going to get people upset and I think people forget that film is an art tool that is more than just for entertaining but also to be uh, facing current social topics and it's okay if it upsets you it's supposed to get in a reaction out of you uh, to get you thinking about everything you know and for me Black Klansman was probably at the top, right next to A Star is Born. A Star is Born moved me emotionally uh, for being the creative folks, and I think there were some phenomenal performances there as well. But, yeah, that, that was at my top uh, of the list. Uh, Paul, have you seen Black Klansman? I have not yet. Nope. Oh, did you see A Star is Born? I have not yet either. <laughs> you got to get out more, man. I you do. Can't... I do. I, I've, been, I've been very much sheltered in my apartment and for, for reasons that I... 
hopefully will not have to discuss next year. <laughs> hopefully not. Well, Andrew, yeah. we've talked about Black Klansmen too. Um, I think as well. Uh, you know, you you enjoyed it. Was that in your uh, top ten? That that was yeah, that was in the top ten. Um, mm-hmm. You know, man, for me, I've always loved Spike Lee's movies. Mm-hmm. And I've I've felt like he's consistently doing like really interesting things and still has kept his edge, always kept his edge. He just, you know, he he like he throws people off because he doesn't always he's not always revisiting the same kind of style, the same type of uh like like the overall mood and stuff. He really kind of darts around and in recent years he has done a lot of very commercial movies, you know, those inside man movies, very commercial. But he's also done these really hard-hitting documentaries too. Uh, he did a weird movie called Chirac a couple of years ago, like 2015, I think. Yeah, I and it was it was out there. I mean, it was one of his funkier movies. And I'm going like, are people just sleeping on Spike Lee? But really, what it took was things to come around like this, and he knew before everybody else. And so, uh, a Black Klansman is just you know Jordan Peele producer. And this Ron Stallworth story, mm-hmm. it was all just this thing, things coming together. Charlottesville, like all of this stuff. Mm. It was one of those right time, right place, right people, right movies. And the movie is so dynamic. I mean, it is just, it's got that warmth and that, that, that the classic Spike Lee's have got. But it also has that frightening drama that he's able to do too when he wants to Mm -hmm. so i think it's it is just to me like a best of what he does all rolled into one movie yeah i i gotta agree it just and you know everybody was was invested in the film it was it was fun watching uh uh uh, who was it um uh, which one was it uh toby mcguire who played the uh Oh, no, that's Topher Grace. I'm Topher sorry. Grace. Sorry, my my fault. Topher Grace playing David Duke. Uh, yeah, David Duke, and oh, they, wow. and see the interview with him. Uh, <laughs> how I mean, he was great, but as the actor, he goes, "That was the worst research he ever had to do." <laughs> well, he, David Duke's still alive, and a lot of us remember him to run for president. That he did. Uh-huh. Oh God, uh-huh. that was that's scary. You know, and and here he is. He's got to study up to be this character, and he does. I mean, he, oh, you just you, just oh, you just, yeah, you know. It, so he does a great job. And but as the actor, he's just like, my God, this was one of the hardest films I roles I ever had to do. And there was a funny anecdote in there. If you guys uh, bear with me, in the interview, he said that occasionally you know directors want you to maybe whisper something to you to say that isn't in the script mm-hmm. that uh, allow you know for shock value to kind of throw the cast off or whatnot and kind of get a legitimate reaction but he said spike lee would whisper something in his ear that would be racist he goes oh have david duke say this right and he <laughs> said every time he would come out and go spike lee wants me to say <laughs> <laughs> well paul you you know what's the story of of black uh-huh, yeah. Man, though, right yep i do i do I they do um the, the guy that made sorry to bother you there was like a very like a very around the time of those movies being out this year <clears throat> he was very boots riley was very critical of the of what he felt was the message of black Klansmen was outdated which was that we don't need right now a movie about the police mm-hmm. saving people Mm-hmm. Oh. that was his big criticism of that i mean like you know what do you do you think there's any credence to that or do you just feel like there's kind of room for all of it or he was kind of misguided and angry what do you think about that statement um well i i can say um i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because this is telling the you know it, it based on true events so and it was a story that was still pertinent today and i understand the anger um but not all cops either out there in the world are the same so you know i i mean but again i have a completely different perspective i'm a freaking you know caucasian male here in the middle of wisconsin so um whether or not that's the right reaction he should have had or not, I, I 
you know, that's not for me to say necessarily, but I'll, I'll just say that I think it's still okay and it has its place to tell a story that, you know, doesn't necessarily paint the police in a bad light because this is based off a true event. This is how things played out, you know? So, it, I mean, I, I could see if it was maybe a fictional one that was played up like, you know, ha <laughs> that type of story, which we've seen in the past, you know, propaganda type of piece. But I never once felt that way with this, that this was, hey, the police are heroes because some of the police were portrayed as assholes in this. Yeah, film. no. And I, I agree with you, man. I do. I understand what he was saying. And I thought it was interesting that that discussion happened because, you know, someone needed to say that. Right. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I think, I don't think the Spike Lee would ever be trying to be, make like a pro police or whatever, or even to the line and Jordan Peele as a producer also, I mean, y'all, we also get out, right? Yeah. I mean, that ending, raise your hand if you, if you, if you thought that the cops were going to shoot the, you know, Laurel Howerly at the, at the end of that movie, you know? Oh, hell yeah. You really thought the police are going to shoot him because you're like, oh, crap, look what's going on. You you have to be so daft if you didn't think the cops were going to shoot him. He created a fear right there, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, I just thought that was a little interesting connection between a couple of the movies we we're talking about. Yeah, and it yeah, it is interesting because we've had a number of films like this uh, this year that come out to, you know, of a very similar uh, topics or, or tone, uh, like this and executions a bit different, but they, yeah, that's an interesting statement that he made. Cause you know, cause it's one of those things. Well, it, not nearly the equivalent at all, but just people's reaction to a film, uh, that may have some, uh, a character or a subject in it that isn't in real life portrayed. You know, it, it wasn't really a great person in real life. I'm going to bring up the greatest showman. I loved the greatest showman. I love that movie. I love the music in it. I think it's a great musical. It's inspired by true events, PT Barnum, but many people hated on that film because it was about the circus and it was about PT Barnum who in real life didn't treat people that properly, you know, and it, mm. you know, and it's a fanciful musical. <laughs> So, you know, yeah, they may not have portrayed P.T. Barnum, you know, as true to life person, but that wasn't the point of the musical, I guess, is what I was, you know. Yeah. If, if only we lived in a time where one could just easily look up the truth about P.T. Barnum if they <laughs> wanted to. If only that were possible yeah. to just on some sort of device that everyone yeah. has. <laughs> look right. up the truth of pt barnum if they so desired it would well, be cool if we could do that and if, if the did, if the musical movie wasn't the final exact documentary about him right it, it, but you know <laughs> it, it, it goes along with and it, it goes along with you know oh well you can't do the black klansman story because it paints you know police in a, a in a good light you know, here a lot of people were like, well, you can't do The Greatest Showman because it doesn't portray P.T. Barnum like the asshole that he is. Um, yeah. I think Boots Riley comment was more about the timing of it than anything. Oh, that's true. That's true. But it's it's nice that our our industry, the movie industry, has gotten to the point now where we could have different filmmakers do their vision of a particular topic like that. Like back in the past, I don't think we, we would have that one film and that's it and you know <laughs> you this is a market that the asylum is totally not tapping into yes yes they, they could have made that. like the true pt barnum right. yes. what is it made remember when pocahontas disney pocahontas was out oh, somebody man. released on home video like the real story of pocahontas yeah and i worked at blockbuster when that was happening and we had to put a sticker on the front of it talking about this is not disney this is not for kids <laughs> <laughs> yes Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but it, uh, the P.T. Barnum, though, the, the, a lot of the stuff that's been attributed to him isn't all necessarily true either. So the other side is that he wasn't as bad as an individual as most people would claim him to be either. Right. So I let's mean, balance it out. Come on. 
Well, and and the greatest showman never claimed to be a direct biopic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it should have been P.T. Barnum, American Badass, or what? P.T. Barnum, <laughs> Vampire Hunter. Vampire Hunter, yes. But I mean, you know, and so then we've we've got films of this year, which covered them in different you know the subjects and yeah it, you're right about the he boots Riley, maybe you know he's right about the timing of the story of the black Klansmen, uh, but at the same time i thought spike lee handled the material really well and and gave me a film that stuck with me long after i left and gave me food for thought you know and yeah, it was it was cool to see a film like that on the big screen. And <laughs> you know, it, it's similar to sorry to bother you though. You know there's people in the audience it just pissed right the fuck off. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, yay, good. Those people yes. who are ticked off or, you know, whatever, well they maybe they need to reevaluate some things. <laughs> you know, but for me, yeah, Black Klansman was tied with a Star is Born for for best picture, so um and yeah people say well that's a cop out for a tie but no it's true because both films i thought were solidly directed told a really great emotional story and moved me in different ways so so there you have it uh and like i said the other ones were uh, five fingers for marcellus i i really recommend that uh andrew if you get a chance to see it i think you'd like it i, I got it on my uh i got bookmarked on my watch list so mm -hmm. it's there and I, I think all of us saw Into the Spider-Verse, right? <laughs> God, yeah. That was my number three. Yeah. Yeah, that film. Paul, did you see Into the Spider-Verse? I got to miss it. Oh, my God. I haven't gotten to watch a single film in about three months now. Wow, man. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like drive my butt to, to Oshkosh. And, and uh, we're, I'm going to drive it to your house and drag you out and take you to movies. That's please, it. please. Yeah, I haven't got to watch. I haven't got to watch Aquaman yet, and I've been like jonesing to watch it. I haven't been able you, to watch it yet. You could watch Spider Verse like eight times in the time it took you to watch Aquaman once. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. I want to. Yeah, no, nah, you. But Spider Verse, you got to see in the theater. It's okay. a, it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, and do some handful of mushrooms or Nyquil or something too. <laughs> it's good. It's a really trippy movie. Well, one of my very first comics that I ever collected was Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider Ham. So nice. the fact that he's in there, I, I really did want to go see it. So <laughs> truth, truth, man, dude, five buck Tuesday, get your ass out of the house. Yeah. Go see Spider-Verse somewhere near you. It should okay. still be playing, hopefully. Or come uh, here to I'll Steven's point because it's playing here for at least another week. So maybe I should do uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> if you come to point, uh, I know we're an hour away, but if you come to point, I'll go with you. So ah, if, I, if I'm available, so, uh, <laughs> so those are, that's the top ones. So now we are going to drift to the other spectrum, the end of the did, spectrum. Did you want my other? Oh, oh. yes. I'm sorry. Paul, yes, <laughs> I'm going to say, so Paul, I'm eating candy, homie. I'm waiting for your rest of your movies. My apologies, Paul. Yes. What were your, uh, your other four films? Uh, okay. Uh, so I, I love black Panther just like Andrew did. Uh, because I, I that of the two superheroes that I wanted want to go see, it's Black Panther and uh, Captain Marvel, which is coming up. That's my favorite hero, so I'm looking forward to that movie coming up. But Black Panther uh, scored number five, just just getting uh, underneath Infinity War because Infinity War made me actually cry. I didn't expect uh -huh. that in a superhero film, and th to cheer me back up, uh, number three was Ant-Man and Wasp. I love that film. It made me it made me laugh. It made me think that they they did so much with Ant-Man and they they turned it into a heist film. It was something different. Uh Ant-Man and Wasp kind of continued that. I, I love that about Marvel that they can just do different films and still keep it within the comic book thing. And number two is Halloween. I can't have a a, a list five without a horror film, right? <laughs> wow. Nice superheroes and hordes that's that's, <laughs> that's what it turned out to be right <laughs> and, one, and one video game so there we go yeah yeah i don't Still, know all saucers at 17 years old as it turns out <laughs> <laughs> not a bad thing those are all fun films you know i i had various lists i was trying to come up with uh you know fil fi top five films that were entertaining 
Mm. And uh, some of those that you had there were ones, you know, top five, just films in general, top five indie films. Like for me, the top uh, indie horror film I did see, and it's not just because it's from Wisconsin, <laughs> though, is Gags. Gags was yes, yes. phenomenal. Is just so much fun as an indie horror film. It was like everything. It was like, you know, it was one of those films where I went to support it because I'm like, okay, you know, the short film was good. I got it. I'm going to see it and support it. And I got some interviews with some folks, which was great. But then, you know, to have it be just a legitimately solid horror film mm-hmm. is always, you know, a plus. You know, I knew it was going to be good, but I was like, oh man, this is just. Is this is like I definitely hope that uh, they get their the distribution deal that they want because uh, I hope a lot more people can see it. So, so thank you, Paul. Sorry, I didn't mean to skip your other four. I apologize in that. But we will drift now to our bottom five the the ones that we went to the theater saw that came out in 2018 that we just you know we we sat there scratching our heads or or uh, wanted to drink heavily afterwards. So uh, <laughs> we'll start with Andrew this time, because I'm going to be curious about this. Uh, so Andrew, what what were your uh, bottom five? And we'll, we'll talk about you, the, the one that was your least favorite of 2018 as well. So what were your bottom five? Uh, these all have to be in the, from the theater? No, they just, uh, if they came out in 2018, don't have to be in the theater. All right. For the sake of arguments, I'm moving one off of the lists and one on to the list. Oh, you don't have to. So don't, yeah, nah, just... nah, nah, nah. I don't. I don't need to. I don't even do this usually. I don't even do this. Well, I know that's. I don't talk I'm... bad about movies. So I, I want to. But yeah, I'm not gonna. Well, that's that's right. That's what's least here. favorite. Least favorite. So. All right. So I'm gonna do five, four, three, two, one. Okay. You ready? All right. So my number five is Quiet Place. My number four is Bad Times at the El Royal. Royale. Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is a Hotel Transylvania Part Three. Number two is Victor Crowley, and number one worst movie, The Devil and Father Amorth by William Friedkin. Wow, I I'm was familiar with all of them. You had me until that last one. What, what's that last one? The Devil and Father Amorth, fellas. Um, this movie is by William Friedkin. It is um, a documentary about a real exorcist, a real-life exorcist made by the director of The Exorcist. <laughs> nice. You oh, would just... think, don't that stack it up a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a slam dunk to me, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Homie, this is like a bonus feature at best. It is like a Discovery Channel, like special. This is not a feature film because it is so corny. It is so corny. I would be mad if this movie was made about me. <laughs> Let me just give you a highlight. I'm not here to talk shit. Let me just give you a highlight of one of the things that happens in it. Sure. The part in the movie documentary where they get, they're like, so this is a real exorcism that the guy was doing and we couldn't bring our cameras inside (laughs) so here's a recreate and they recreate they do this with editing and green filters and noises and stuff what happened approximately inside after this all real build up after all these interviews and footage this is what they do to the person that paid money to rent this movie oh man you're going like what if I didn't get this footage? If I couldn't get in there with a camera and film it, and what would it be act three in my documentary? I'm not releasing this movie. Yeah, you just didn't get your movie, you know. Say, like in The Exorcist, <laughs> when they got to the you know, the stuff with the head spin and all that. What if like Linda Blair just quit? <laughs> <laughs> they would not have let that dummy play the rest of the movie, would they? No, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> and he was insane and on crack or cocaine, just like remember I told you, he was he was everybody was out of their minds in the seventies, and they wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Why now? Why would he do this? I was just like, man. Um, I I 
Friedkin's a great director, and even later in his life, he's had some awesome movies. Um, didn't he make Killer Joe and Bug? Yeah. Those are great movies, man. I'm like, you just don't see now he needs to make one more before he dies. <laughs> he has to make a great movie before he dies because I don't want this to be the last freaking that I saw, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, mostly disappointed, but also, yeah, it made me mad. I hate that, man. I was just like, why would you? Who? It, that's Dirty Pool right there. That really feels like a, that would feel like a total cop out. It was like, so just... dumb. It was so dumb. The rest of them, and it was, oh, dude, it wasn't even an hour. It was like an hour and change. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it was so short, too. I think they just didn't get, they didn't have a movie. And like some dumbasses, they put it together and charge money for it, anyways. Yeah. And and promote it in such a way that you're just like, oh, okay, this this actually sounds it. And then you're just like, oh, man. With that would... setup, why wouldn't you watch it, right? Yeah. I mean, all, you have all the elements there. Like I said, a slam dunk. To me, it sounds like, oh, that sounds interesting. But to have it be a recreation at the end, yeah, that's like Lifetime. That's like uh, History Channel. It's like we're recreating these events. <laughs> and you don't, yeah. I yeah, can God understand. was very mad at William Free. He was like, man, you made this awesome movie about me, be, you know, kicking the devil's ass. And now you're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's like, I'm going to, I'm killing you. It, it's always, <laughs> it's always tough when it's, it, it, you get films like that, that you're just like, ah, oh, that, that make yeah. you actually like want to like, <laughs> you're like, why, why? I mean, I'm not as mad at it as God probably would, but you know, you know, nobody, y'all didn't see it, so it's no big deal. No, it's it's a, well, I had heard about it, but um, yeah. when you mentioned the name now and, and who was involved, I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember it being mentioned in circles, but not talked about too much. And now I probably know <laughs> I why. I was smart enough not to see that, Andrew. I recognize <laughs> bullshit very easily. <laughs> no, I just, I'm just playing, man. I was like, Paul, you know, why, why didn't y'all tell? Why didn't y'all warn me? Uh, if you want, if you want a, a good documentary, watch King Cohen. That was fun. That's a fun. I love King Cohen. You know, I love King Cohen. That was yeah, a good one. That was a good. That's a good documentary. Holy crap! Yeah. The behind the scenes stuff you had on that one. Mm -hmm. um, that came out this year. That was a good one. So, yeah, eh, good good choices there. Especially, I was familiar with the other four for sure. Um, and yeah, those are those are ones that are just uh, disappointments. And Paul, for you, your least favorite. Okay, from worst of, uh, from worst. Uh, five to the most worst. Uh, uh, number number five, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Wow. Uh, yeah, I did not like it. I I thought the first one was way. Uh, it, it was it had a message about over commercialism, and this one just lost that. So that's that's why I don't like it that oh, much. Wow. Uh, Cloverfield Paradox is number four. Uh, I honestly didn't like uh, Mission Impossible: Fallout. Uh, that's my number three. I also didn't like The Predator. And uh, my worst film of 2018 is one called The Future World. And it stars and is directed by James Franco, which actually made me want to see this film to begin with. Because I thought, you know, hey, I like everything he's done, except for this film now. Uh, and it had Snoop Dogg. It had Method Man. It had Lucy Liu. It had Mila Jovovich. And it was like everything I'm going to like about this film. And it just turned out that it was poorly executed. Uh, there's a lot of heart in the film. So I'll give, uh, you know, I give a lot of credit for that. They really did have fun making this film, but it comes off very much as a very uh, B rated <laughs> uh, cyborg film, you know? Uh, well, what's it, what's it about? I mean, I've seen the title and I saw some uh, movie groups, people were, mentioning uh, hey this is watching it but what's that it's like about? a post-apocalyptic world and you have a android by the name of ash who's played by uh Susie uh, suki waterhouse mm -hmm. uh and she is basically reactivated by this warlord and there she's taken around uh to from different place to different place by uh, a character named prince who's played by uh jeff Wahlberg, i think is mm -hmm. his name uh, and uh, he's trying to find a cure for um, uh, basically his his uh, mother, played by Lucy Liu, uh, has gotten some kind of like a, a red plague. And there's supposed to be this cure in this mythical uh, location far off by the coast. 
And so he makes this mission. He runs into the warlord played by James Franco, who reactivated Ash, who's the the cyborg. And uh, you kind of see this kind of storyline develop. And again, it's very much like Cyborg was, where you kind of you have this android and this guy going around from place to place. And the, the only difference is that the cure is already there. She doesn't have the cure. Oh. Uh, yeah. And it's, I mean, that part's a little different. And uh, Mila's uh, role was amazing. Uh, she plays this drug lord who is at the uh, end destination. And I won't go into uh, the ending too much, but it was overall very dissatisfying. I thought they, um, uh, I, I just thought it was just poorly executed, even though there is a lot of heart and you can see that in the film. Um, but it just wasn't enough uh, to meet my, or to, to get to my expectation of the film. So. Wow. Yeah. I, I, it was on my list. I passed it a few times, but I was like, eh, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Andrea, did you get a chance to see future world at all with James Franco or no? Nah, I, um, not really. It sounds like it sounds like something I would have watched that cast, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, I just I honestly um I have not watched anything with Franco and uh, around the time Disaster Artist came out. Mm. Not that that movie broke me or anything, but I'm just yeah. Uh, I don't really I don't really watch his movies anymore. I, I I never got around to doing a review for Disaster Artist, but. Since in some YouTube reviewer-verse, being old man of the stream, as I started calling myself. Um, <laughs> Sounds like your pee comes out and hits the wall. It? Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> I, I thought about it, and then after I just said it right now. It, Trouble starting? Sounds like something completely different. But like, You know, uh, I thought I was done pissing, but here it is running down my leg. Yeah, well, I hate that. You gotta Sorry, shake it. Sorry anyway. that was really uncomfortable. No, it's okay. You put it away, and you still get that dribble. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mean to piss in the trash can, but there it is. <laughs> well, there it is. Uh, cornflakes you're pissing in there. It just, it just wets, wets it down so you can fit more trash in the trash can. Anyway. Dude, <laughs> there's a silver lining to this piss. There's a, silver... a, gold, a golden lining. Yes. But, you know, everybody was, and we did our episode on The Room where we agree uh, of the film and it differs with the opinion of most of the younger you you to review review a verse out there however you want to call it um and the youtube review a verse out there everybody was praising oh you know disaster was so fantastic and yes the the portrayal of tommy was so was decent in that and i just give my little quick review here because i didn't get a chance to review it before but that was about the only saving thing with me but i didn't care for the room so for me most of that film i was like uh, you know, I just, I did not care for it to begin with. So watching him like, yeah, his portrayal of time was so is, is dead on. It's great. But when I have a film and I go, holy crap, Seth Rogen is in a role I actually like. Um, <laughs> he was the best part of the film for me. Uh, otherwise the rest of that film, I'm just like, you know what? It just, this just makes me want to watch Ed Wood is what it does mm -hmm. um so the disaster artist didn't didn't sit well with me either i didn't i didn't think it was bad i just wasn't like all gaga over it like so many people you know it's like it's all right <laughs> yeah, i just i had had enough i had had enough at that point i mean yeah it wasn't just that it was a lot of a lot of things, things so, yeah sure but uh for me the top five it was tough because a lot <laughs> of it on there was horror um so we'll just go down yeah uh top five uh number five was the possession of hannah grace oh uh, number four was the nun <laughs> number three was truth or dare the one that came out in the theater not the three direct to video ones or the original shot on video one no truth or dare the one with the skull and the question mark <laughs> yes number two was winchester because that film all of these pretty much nearly put me to sleep. <laughs> um, and the number one, which many probably saw coming, I know you guys probably didn't see it. I watched all three films in one day. <laughs> I was going to do a video thing on it, and I still might down the road. Fifty Shades Freed. <laughs> yes. That happened. That was this year? That was this year. Yep. <laughs> it's what made people okay. forget. I remember it, you doing that. That was very interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, I I did all three films back to back, and and I'm not going to need to do them again necessarily back to back to do my video presentation. I was trying to figure out how to do it to get around the copyright guys, and I I can't. So, but I still may do it uh, a year later, you know, because I'm right on time with all this stuff. But for me. I watched all Fifty Shades films back-to-back, which many people warned me about not to do. They are bad. What what frustrated me the most and what made this the worst one for me of the year out of all the ones, and I've seen some bad ones. I mean, Hunter Killer really wasn't great either, and not just bad horror. But but for me, what frustrated me was the way this story came together, and I'm not familiar with the source material. It really just made me angry (laughs) and made me feel like it was a waste of all of this character because the story, the way they wrap this trilogy up is, is bad. I feel bad for fans of this, this series, because I don't know if I was a fan and I saw a film like this, you know, that was supposed to be a summary. I'd be, I'd be ticked because it was it was this was even more nonsensical than the uh the second film as far as its story goes um cliche poorly done just fell on so many tropes we've seen before and doing it so ham-fistedly and in the end i understand what they were maybe trying to go for but the way the film finally ends makes you realize that this this film well, I, you guys aren't probably going to watch it, so I'm just going to say <laughs> it's about it's supposed to be about, you know, this woman who who falls for this very rich guy who is into into S&M. We all know all know that based off of really poorly written uh, a, a originally fan fiction of Twilight. Um, but this whole series watching it back to back did give me perspective, though, because it felt like someone had Googled dom sub or you know b you know snm they googled it took the first five headlines didn't even click on the links and based their script and their understanding on alternative lifestyles from that oh no i know hey, some- what wasn't that what what's her name did with the twilight why everybody was pissed at, like she didn't know shit about vampires <laughs> yeah so i guess it's understandable that the fanfic based off of it when no uh that's that's what a lot of people thought yeah that she just didn't know shit about vampires so is this the same situation they wrote books about shit they didn't know about and then they made movies that's the that's the feeling i got from it now i'm not too familiar with that scene it's just not my my cup of tea but there are a few people who i've seen in discussion forums and i've talked to who who are into that and these movies pissed them right off and Mm. what pissed me off about this and, and and i'm not Again, I'm not that's not my circle, but just what pissed me off as a movie movie viewer is how not only cliche, but if you pay attention to the theme they had in this, it plays out this entire series ends up playing out saying, well, people who are into this lifestyle have something wrong with them. Oh, that's that that's what is implied from the series. And in the end, the very end scene, and I'm going to spoil it for you folks. This is a spoiler room. Spoiler room. Very end scene. It's her being submissive to him. And I understand what they were maybe trying to go for going, well, this is her choice now. But in the very end, I get this film going, nobody has changed. There is one scene, one scene in uh, Fifty Shades Free where uh, um, where the main uh, character, uh, the, the female character, uh, she gets a chance, um, Anastasia, Dakota Johnson, she actually gets this chance to do this scene where she's with uh, her man and there's a very attractive blonde uh, uh, interior designer and she's just hitting on him hard with her right there. And when he walks out of the room, she just lays into her, uh, Dakota Johnson's Anastasia lays in her. It's a great scene. It's, 
like two minutes long and it's the only redeeming quality of this entire film <laughs> i gotta say i like her man i've seen her in like two or three movies i think she's just great well that's the thing is i like her you know it was just this script and the story that played out like i said felt like someone googling these topics and going oh that's what that is and trying to write something about it yeah i got a hunter killer question what's up hunter killer question yeah go ahead this is it just me this is for paul too if you ever seen gerard butler do an american accent <laughs> does it seem like he's got a, a lot of grapes stuck in his teeth yes <laughs> yes thank you yeah yeah he tried it in geostorm and yeah hunter killer was the same way he just seems like it's like man that's what happens to me when i eat grapes i get all you know just like something about it anyways and the thing nowadays for like a movie like Hunter, he doesn't have to do that. That's the that's the thing. He didn't have to try to do that accent, but yeah, Hunter Killer was in my top ten of worst films because that that I'm like, it's a submarine movie. How can you do? Oh, that's how you can screw it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, but Fifty Shades Free, uh, you know, watching them all back to back, I got the full perspective of the story. And I'm like, you can also tell the difference between male directors and female directors by watching the Fifty Shades trilogy. Because gotcha. the first one was directed by a female. And the next two, I believe, were directed by guys. Just and there like is, in Twilight. Just like in Twilight. And there's a difference in general. You can tell the way the material was handled. Um, which I think the first one makes the best out of a bad script. This is based off of a not really well written, you know, series to begin with. Um, but at the end, I was just mad, you know, <laughs> I, I was mad because of at the end, I'm like, my God, this is what it boils down to. I was hoping for some other powerful arc, you know, yeah, for revelation for Dakota Johnson's character or whatnot. But in the end, I'm like, why do I have a feeling this movie set women in film back like 50 years? <laughs> and the thing is, you can tell they're trying, but it just, and again, I'm not the demograph for it. This is, this was the house mom's uh, blushing book. You know, uh, it was very popular in, in book circles in that. Uh, and, and the, the, you know, kind of the taboo subject matter. Um, and I'm not the demograph for it. So maybe I was missing the point, but just from a film by itself, these three films were bad. And this, this final one was just so it was like, wow, you guys really just, just pulled out the ad libs screenplay book and filled in the names and went, so. Here so to follow follow the tradition of of the fanfic being googled and and written and then the screenplay of this film being uh googled what if we just like googled the movie and then wrote a review about it you think that would be okay <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people out there are able to do that thanks to wikipedia wikipedia oh, gives you the that. full plot breakdown and so you know there's people out there that i have heard and and i haven't personally firsthand seen but uh there are uh people out there who have done that and eventually they get caught but yeah um but you, know. you can you can tell sometimes when you when you go and you you watch a film and then you want to say oh i didn't quite understand that scene and then you read the wikipedia page on it and it's like this is not the movie i watched who wrote this wikipedia <laughs> entry <laughs> yeah but so yeah my worst was with 50 shades free even out of all the bad horror wide release bad horror that i saw and i saw some good wide release horror but mostly it was not good um and but this was really just it was like yeah i mean i i vegged a bit but the first one out of the three 50 shades films is the best which is not saying a whole lot but just taking them as films by themselves it really was like something that belonged on like uh, Showtime, or if you take out some of the, a lot of the sexual stuff, you could have thrown on Lifetime almost. Ouch. You know, um, with the way it handles the material. It just, it's sloppy. 
it, it was a series, you know, the films were coming off playing off of the hype of the books and it just surprised me. They made it out of all three books. You know, I figured maybe the first one, but they made money. So I guess that's something, but <laughs> I don't know at the end, no one, I felt like no one had any growth. And the big message was, yeah, if you're in S and M it's because you had a, a, uh, a broken childhood uh and you're messed up because messed up stuff happened to you when you were a kid <laughs> you know you know it tries to take this kind of crime drama arc and it just it failed for me i'm just like <laughs> really <laughs> you know still not as bad as the second one with the random car helicopter crash for no particular reason whatsoever <laughs> Anyway, I, I should probably do my video on the trilogy so I can get it all out and make watching all three films back to back in one day uh, mean something. <laughs> you can do it. You can do you it, can Mark. Do it. Yeah. So, well, there you have it, folks. Uh, top and bottom five worst films. Uh, we got to yours, Paul, correct? Yes, we did. Yeah, we yes, okay. we did. I want to make oh, sure. Paul. Well, no, I forgot him uh, it, with the top five. So I just wanted to double check, make sure there weren't any other ones that uh, he needed to talk about. My, so. my bottom was thoroughly investigated and covered. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> my bottom was thoroughly. thoroughly he, got, yeah, he, the... he got out his number one and number two. So yeah. they did. <laughs> and with that, I think this is now the time where uh, I give my guests the license to shill to where uh, they can talk about things. Uh, that uh, they're doing when they're not here uh, being uh, very gracious with their time to talk about films. So, Andrew, where can folks find you at, sir? Hey, Bar Paul, this was fantastic, man. I'm so I'm, I'm happy to be asked, happy to be invited. I loved hearing about y'all's movie list to me. I like how different they were, but the, the similarities don't surprise me, man. So we don't. <laughs> so why we go along so good. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so um, my friends and I here in Athens, Georgia, uh, in our in our time together, um, we make weird movies, <laughs> and uh, we're called Gonzorific, and you can watch us on Amazon Prime. Just go to amazon.com slash v slash Gonzorific, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. We have movies like Space Boobs in Space. Yes, I'm the person that made that movie. <laughs> uh, we have um, the Underground Cinema, Cinema with an S. We have Pajama Nightmare. We have Late Night Cable. And um, early part of this 2019, we'll be coming out with a new one called Hot Mike. Mm. So there. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And uh, Mr. Paul Salzer, please go ahead. Okay. License to shill. All right. I have two two things I want to bring up. Uh, first thing is you can learn about the, uh, the podcast that looks at films like Little Old Ladies in a Book Club. It's called Film Jerks, and it's on Facebook. We have a group that allows you to pick the films that we're going to discuss and uh, add more to the conversation. And then also you can find more about me by looking up the Bowtie Critic. Nice. Nice. And uh, uh, since you're little ladies of the book club, you need to do all three back-to-back uh, -back films of 50 shades. Oof, so that would be nice. <laughs> just, just do book club, man. Just, just do book club. club. There we go. <laughs> oh yeah. The, uh, the, there is the, the story of, uh, the ladies book club who had read 50 shades of gray and how it impacted their lives. I didn't rather, get a chance to see that. I was very curious about that film after seeing the first three films. Um, but it is a legitimate movie that came out for a very short time. They yeah. did one about an old ladies club that all went to see deep throat, but it was only five minutes long cause they died. Oh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> Wow. Isn't that crazy that that generation got deep throat as their thing they were fascinated with, with sex on the big screen and we got 50 shades of gray. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and uh, debating on whether or not which ones were better. Uh <laughs> no, nobody. I mean, deep throat is a dumb movie. I think Debbie Does Dallas is the dumbest one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of good documentaries I watched though, that one about uh, daughters of the sexual revolution, the, uh, Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders documentary. That's an awesome movie. Oh, is it? Yeah, I recommend it. I should have just done a documentaries list. I probably could. <laughs> you probably That'd could. Yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting because I think it's a genre that isn't talked about as much as it probably should. Uh, oh, I, know I, I love most of what I read is nonfiction. And mm -hmm. when I'm when I'm not watching, you know, stuff for work, 
and uh, yeah. watching you know cheesy cheesy 70s movies i like looking <laughs> at documentaries a lot did y'all see three identical strangers no that movie is so good and of course won't you be my neighbor that was in my top 10 overall nice. i Ryan. i am kicking myself i didn't get a chance to see won't you be my neighbor before you'll see it you'll see it. it's but i be. definitely will be seeing it uh probably before the tom hanks film that comes out yeah and you know what man that welcome to Marwin, which i didn't see the documentary that inspired it Marwin call that's a great one man is it oh yeah yeah you'll you'll dig that one there's yeah, a lot to it Welcome to Marlin's being shit on right now. So it shouldn't really? have been. It shouldn't it looks have been good. It looks so good. It looked neat, but I don't think they should have made it. It just I was wondering why someone did oh, that. Because it looked gotcha. expensive, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot it, of talent in it. And I'm like, but you the docu- documentary, you know what I'm saying? Do it, yeah. It's well, so good. Why would you just anyway? And they, they made some changes too, uh as well that ticked some people off because uh so because they were afraid of possibly social outcry or whatnot. Yeah. Um, the, the Zemeckis's in social circles are known as being a little tone deaf, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm not surprised about both of them, <laughs> which I liked her documentary about the lion tamer. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, well, was a tangent. You were trying to wrap the show up. Mark. No, it's okay. <laughs> no problem. So there you go, folks. Uh, seek out more documentaries in 2019. <laughs> and for that, we will say good night. Uh, looking forward to the movies of 2019. We got a lot of great stuff uh, lined up. Oh, just real quick uh, before we go. Yes, the votes have been tallied and it is in. We do have films for uh, the Welcome to Cronenberg series of movies that we will be watching every year we do uh we ended up i didn't plan on it as i always say i never really planned on it but we do it every year now a special series uh this last year it was uh it came from the 50s which is a lot of fun which then inspired our eight weeks at hitchcock uh but this year uh, for 2019 we are doing welcome to cronenberg where we're looking at 12 films from mr david cronenberg now these were the top 12 films i know there's more and there's people like well what about this one but these are the top 12 we had over 180 votes by like 79 people so that was cool uh, so we're doing rabid scanners the brood the fly naked lunch crash shivers crimes of the future dead zone dead ringers existence with a z and <laughs> A history of violence. So those are the movies we will be doing for our Welcome to Cronenberg series. And I've actually got the entire year's uh, worth of podcasts mapped out tentatively. So that should be fun. I hope you stick around with us and tell your friends and have your friends tell their friends all about us here in the spoiler room. Now say good night, gentlemen. Good night, gentlemen. <laughs>